0: You are listening to the Beauty Brains, where real scientists answer your beauty questions. And now, here's Randy and Perry.
1: Hello, I'm Perry Romanowski, and with me, as always, my beauty blogging bro, Randy Schuler. <laughs> hey, Randy, welcome to show 140. <laughs>
2: Hi Perry, hi to our vast listening audience. Hey, I want to give a special quick thank you to Mary Ellen for recording the intro to the show today, uh, especially thanking her for putting my name before Perry's. <laughs> and uh, if you guys out there in the audience want to hear your voice on the show, all you have to do is record our intro on your smartphone and just email it to us at thebeautybrains at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, that's Excellent. Well, speaking of excellent, we have a fabulously packed show today. In today's show, you're going to learn about whether blotting skin will reduce sunscreen effectiveness, hmm. if it's safe to use fabric softener on hair, whether there is a less irritating alternative to shaving cream, and all you need to know about I- ionic hair aye aye aye. <laughs> Plus, we're going to cover some of those beauty science stories that we found interesting over the last week. But first,. <sighs> Let's revisit something that we talked about last show. Oh, remember uh, remember last show when one of our iTunes reviewers said that they loved us, they were gushing, but we sounded like two dads, <laughs> who sort in? Something like
2: that, yeah, I recall that, yes.
1: Well, interestingly enough, I, I stumbled on this article uh, in the New Zealand Herald, which goes through a bunch of beauty terms and trends, and I thought it would be helpful and educational oh. for both us and our audience to go through some of these. So, Let's see which one of these things that you've, you've heard about or haven't heard about. Okay, okay, so these
2: are things that you think our audience would expect us to know, or this is new and startling information for them as well?
1: Uh, These are things that people, beauty bloggers probably should know. Okay, so I'm in trouble right
2: now, I can tell you, but let's try it. (laughs) No, no,
1: here's this, you should know most of these. Here's Argan Oil, you've heard of Argan Oil. Oh, sure,
2: yeah, Jason and the Argonauts, yes, I've heard of them.
1: (laughs) Argan Oil, we wrote about Argan Oil way back in the (laughs) day with the goats on the trees. and things. Uh, Okay, how about Belayage? Belayage is... uh, Right, she's the
2: singer who did uh, Lemonade, I know, okay, move on, next one. (laughs)
1: No, it is, it's a freestyle highlighting of your oh. hair. So you highlight your hair and just freestyle. Okay. All right. How about contouring?
2: Uh, Kanye, he's the husband of the other one. Yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: no. Now, contouring is using a powder to change your facial structure. Yeah,
2: okay.
1: All right. Have you heard of duct tape tits? <laughs> wow. What? What? Uh, what? Well, uh, Kim Kardashian uses duct tape to hold, hold them down for her red carpet looks. So duct tape. She posts... She posted a picture on Instagram. Okay. All right. Have you ter- heard this term fleek? I,
2: I haven't even heard Instagram. What do you mean? What is fleek?
1: <laughs> fleek, this is the term that means it looks great. What? So, you know, it, it's not related to twerking. It's, it's, it's fleek. So, <laughs> so if something is on fleek, that means it just really looks so great. So it's like groovy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the 60s call. <laughs> All right. How about instant shampoo slash conditioner?
2: Yeah, well, like dry shampoo, instant shampoo. Right, yeah, okay. exactly. Sure, yeah. We've written about that.
1: And, you know, jojoba oil is a big deal. Uh, especially so around that. Christmas
2: time, ho ho hoba, <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, we were using that in the early 90s. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's old school. All right. How about kajal? K-A-J-A-L. Uh, I'm, I'm oh, kajal. That.
2: Yeah, it's the black pigment used in certain Indian eye makeup.
1: Uh, yeah. Right. It's a it's a fancy way to say eyeliner. Yeah. Um, just a few more. So, Lob.
2: No, I don't.
1: Lob is a quick way to say long bob. Apparently, it's a portmanteau. <laughs>
2: Isn't that a suitcase? No.
1: <laughs> How about neethage?
2: Neethage? It would be yeah. revealing your neeth, I guess. I don't yeah. know.
1: Yeah, the underside of your breasts. Oh, I was just be being clever. All <laughs> it's, right. It's the opposite of cleavage. Oh, okay.
2: Wow. Hmm.
1: Um, uh, <laughs> just a couple more vajazzle.
2: Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Move you on. You know about yes. that. I
1: think we did a story of that. How about Whale Tail?
2: Mmm, don't know that one.
1: This is when you see a thong rising out of somebody's jeans in the back. (laughs) And finally, Yaz Queen.
2: (laughs) No, I just just enjoy hearing you say that.
1: (laughs) Yaz Queen. I don't know what that is. That's the sound that beauty YouTubers make when they find a product that they're really excited about.
2: What? What? So, so, hey, Perry, okay. here's a great new uh, razor you can use. How do you feel about yes, it? Yes, <laughs> queen. <laughs> we are so out of touch.
1: Incidentally, if, if you in the audience think that we're out of touch, feel free to send us some stories or set us straight. We're but you know what?
2: We're in good. touch with science, and man, that doesn't go out of style.
1: <laughs> that never does. <laughs> the beauty brains will always be fleek when it comes to science.
2: Yes, <laughs> tail.
1: Shall we move on to our news stories? Why don't you start us up? Okay, I'm going to
2: pick up the pace a little bit and tell you about the uh, aerosol propellant inventor who suffered a horrible fate. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, Donald Trump saying that hairspray is damaging the ozone layer. Well, we debunked that because hairsprays don't use CFCs any longer. But I did find an interesting article on the inventor of CFCs, which are used in hairsprays and deodorants, but also refrigerators. At at least they were at one time. The inventor's name is Thomas Mosley. Not only did he invent these CFC gases, but he came up with the idea of putting lead in gasoline. And he was so convinced that it was safe that he uh, used to pour solutions of lead onto his hands and then breathe the vapor. Unfortunately, Ah. he then spent months dealing with the effects of lead poisoning. (laughs) But not to give up. uh, He later contracted polio and became paralyzed. Oh but no. But he figured out how to invent a hoist to lift himself out of bed. However, he eventually became entangled in it and asphyxiated. Oh. My. So that's what. In case you were wondering, what happened to the inventor of CFC gases? There you go. It's a horrible story. Yeah.
1: Well, well, these inventors faced with problems they never. That is give. so
2: anti-fleek. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Here's a new technology, it sounds kind of interesting. Scientists have produced a sunscreen that sticks to the skin rather than penetrating into the skin, where there's a chance that it could get absorbed by the bloodstream into the body and, well, theoretically wreak havoc, although there's no evidence that that's true, but anyway. So they, they used a conventional sunscreen, uh, Padamate O, and they binded it to a uh, biodegradable polymer. Hmm. And so so that way, when you put the product on your skin, the polymer will stick to the skin protein right. like it chemically binds to the skin protein and that doesn't allow the, the rest of the sunscreen to penetrate any deeper hmm. so so the idea is that you'll the the sunscreen will stay in on sure. the surface in the stratum corneum and doesn't get down to the epidermis or the dermis where there's a chance it can get it in the body so it's a, a very interesting technology oh
2: well, i wonder if that could prolong the efficacy or improve uh, wash off
1: Right, I guess. It would it would probably not wash yeah. off as easy, right? Very interesting. S- well, it won't be available anytime soon, though. They still have to run studies to establish SPF values at specific concentration and then get it through the FDA. But uh, it is an interesting technology.
2: Um, at, speaking of sunscreen technologies, I saw one about a natural plant material that could boost sunscreens. Uh, certain types of lignin, which is... Um it's the protein, well, I'm not sure if it's a protein, but it's in the, the plant cell walls. Uh, and some plants right, are made right. of lignin, a very tough material. Researchers found that just 1% of lignin can triple the SPF value of certain UV absorbers. Um, wow. Yeah, I and mean, this is especially cool because it's, it's just a waste product now in most plant processing. So if we could find a use for this that, that boosts sunscreen efficacy by that much, uh, that could really help cut you know skin cancers.
1: That'd be very cool technology. Hey, we we're talking about inventors. Here's another inventor. You know, the Dyson guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You love the Dyson hair hand dryers. Apparently, those hand dryers spread more viruses. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> but, but they're very cool. Damn. Well, he's, he's turned his attention from vacuum cleaners, the dryers, to hair mm-hmm. dryers. And Dyson just launched a $399 hair dryer. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, they they launch this product and they believe that it represents the biggest innovation in hair drying in decades, which it probably does. A hair dryer hasn't, hasn't changed much. Lot, yeah. Now the big difference in their technology is that it's a smart hair dryer, which has electronics in it and it can uh, control the temperature because apparently overheating and is in hair dryers is a is a big problem. Mm-hmm. But what I found most interesting in the story, this was in Fortune magazine. It was an interview with the Dyson uh, guy and <laughs> he says this. We were starting to expose Dyson Supersonic to a lot of hairstylists, kind of the beauty players of this world, the Vogues, the Marie Claires, the big beauty bloggers, and so forth. They live in the world of all these products, and they're not easily fooled. (laughs) (laughs) So there you have it. Uh, I I laugh
2: because (laughs) I think some of those uh, beauty bloggers are easily fooled, actually.
1: Well, not even just the beauty bloggers. Well, like the beauty the editors, whatever. But we love it.
2: Don't yeah. get me wrong. We love the beauty Bang. editors. But. That's, that's right.
1: We only have this show because people are so easily fooled, right. Right. right?
2: That's a good point. So. Uh, it, it's funny you mentioned I actually contacted Dyson to try and get a test unit of that hair dryer. They oh, haven't yeah. responded to me yet. So <laughs> if you're listening, Dyson, come on. Give me a $400 hair dryer to try. Love
1: yeah. it. I thought, you know, the hard part about it is you got to stick your head all the way into no, that d- no, little thing. It doesn't work like that, that way. It uh, doesn't work that way. Like, well, we'll have to see.
2: <laughs> hey, I wanted to do a, a compilation of a couple of quick stories, but it's this kind of falls under uh, who's who in the cosmetic industry because in the last couple of weeks there have been a number of acquisitions and mergers. And, okay. you know, one of our kind of prime tenants is to make sure people understand which companies make which products because you can often find your favorite formula or a version of your favorite formula in a cheaper brand from the same company because there's a lot of technology transfer that goes on. So if okay. you are if you're inclined to track those sort of things, you might be interested to know that Unilever, and actually this was several months ago now, but they've acquired uh, Murad. You know, that's the first doctor-built skincare ba- uh, brand by Dr. Howard yeah. Murad. Uh, More recently, just in the last week or so, I think, uh, Revlon bought both Elizabeth Arden and Q-Tex.
0: Yes, heard that. Then
2: uh, Shiseido acquired Laura Mercier, the makeup line. And J&J, I I think a week or two, you talked about them acquiring that organics brand, which is, I think, Vogue International is the company that they acquired. Vogue International. But they also just acquired uh, Neostrata. Huh, so, I'm unfamiliar yeah, with that. so lots of lots of acquisitions in the industry over the last couple of weeks or so.
1: Yeah, what happens in the beauty industry is you start a small brand and you grow it a little bit, and if you grow big enough, a big guy will buy you out. <laughs> Just like, and then there's a lot of trading. Like, remember P and G traded off; uh, they got rid of Herbal Essences and they sold a bunch to Coke. Yeah,
2: trade you know brands between companies, even if the companies aren't sold for yeah, sure.
1: Sorry, hard to keep up. Speaking of uh, companies. Uh, you know how you're always wondering what color will look good on your face before you buy it? Always. <laughs>
2: obsessed with it.
1: Well, well, according to this article, the folks at Cargo Cosmetics have come up with a technology platform that allows you to digitally try on makeup without even leaving your oh, house. Oh, is this that mirror contraption? Yeah, it's a mirror, mirror contraption. The platform is called Cake, C-A-K-E, and it allows you to take a selfie – and then you can see what the different shades of makeup will look on you before buying. Hmm. And so it's it's like looking in a mirror, but, you know, you're wearing makeup. Oh, cool. And that way, you know, you can get your latest makeup craze without actually having to leave your living room. Sounds perfect for you.
2: <laughs> Anything that lets me stay in the living room, I'm all for. <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, we should move on to our cosmetic questions because we've got a number of uh, things our listeners want us to answer this week. Uh,
1: how about I take the first let's one? Go for it.
0: Hello Beauty Brains, my name is Emma and I have a question about sunscreens. Even though I live in a a rainy and cloudy city, I like to use sunscreens with a very high PPD rating, that's persistent pigment darkening. For example, Photoderm Extreme Milk has a rating of I think 52, and Anti-Helios XL Fluid I think has a rating of 42. So, I like to use a lot of sunscreen too, I use the one teaspoon roll which uh, I, I measure out a teaspoon um, and apply that to my face and neck. So these sunscreens, I noticed, give a, an extremely oily slash greasy um, look and film over my face, and which I really don't like. So I've experimented with different things, and I used blotting paper, or sometimes they're called oil-absorbing sheets, um, after applying my sunscreen, and it worked great and getting rid of the grease so my question is is will using blotting paper um, after my sunscreen has set decrease the uva and uvb protection that my sunscreen offers
1: well thanks for that question emma um yes you know blotting some of the sunscreen off your face is going to reduce the UV protection ability, you know, to some extent. And that really happens for two reasons. First, most of the UV absorbers are not water soluble, so they're dissolved or dispersed in an oil phase. This means a high percentage of the active ingredient is in the oil that you're removing. So, you know, you put a sunscreen on, if you blot it, you're gonna remove it. (laughs) And so with less active ingredient, that means that you're gonna have less sun protection. The second part is that good sun protection depends on having a relatively thick, even film on the sunscreen, uh, you know, on your skin, mm-hmm. right? So in fact, dermatologists specifically talk about sunscreen being wiped away as one of the main reasons that you should reapply more frequently. Absolutely. And apparently this is well studied because I, uh, we found a paper titled, The Effect of Film Irregularities on Sunscreen Efficacy. Uh, it's in the Journal of Pharmaceutical Science. The researchers tested how well different sunscreen films worked, and they found non-uniform distribution of sunscreen films on skin account for large discrepancies between uh, naively predicted... Naively? <laughs> Maybe.
2: I mean You might apply it to your navel. I think in this case it's naively <laughs> predicted. but
1: All right. <laughs> na- naively. Who writes these well, between, Right, Right. Na- naively predicted efficacy and the observed clinicality. So (laughs) So wait, can can we just put
2: that in English, please? I know you're quoting from the journal, but so let me make sure I understand that. If you've got a nice, thick, smooth film of your sunscreen uh, product, then you've got a good chance of getting the SPF that's claimed on the label. If that film is not uniform for some reason, for example, you blotted some of it away uh, with an oil-absorbing sheet, then...
1: Right, then it won't work as well, and you'll have a lower SPF, so... So the bottom line is, thank you for explaining this. (laughs) So the bottom line is that blotting off excess oil is one way to disrupt the film. So if you want good sun protection, then don't do that.
2: (laughs) Very good. You know, I'm thinking of starting a podcast where I just explain the things that you say in this podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think people would listen to the hell out of that one. All right.
2: I've got a question from Chloe, and she wants to know, Is it safe to use fabric softener on your hair? Oh. So I I think this is another one of those, you know, do-it-yourself beauty hacks that we've been talking about lately. Uh, I'm not sure why you'd want to do this to save money, I guess. Like what would the impetus be to even – because somebody told you it works better or – I don't know.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's like, uh, like, you know – Wipe on; it's not going to get your hair wet. Well, not you're
2: thinking you're thinking of a fabric softener sheet. She's asking about liquid fabric softener, like like that.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. That was not clear to me. Well, I I dug
2: deeply into the psyche of Chloe (laughs) to understand the question. But anyway, uh, regardless of her rationale for wanting to do this, the, the way I see it, there are really three reasons why this is not a good idea. Reason number one: you need to beware of buildup. You know, fabric softeners have a stronger charge than many hair conditioners because they have to, you know, stick through the whole laundry cycle, stick to the fabric through the whole laundry cycle, and and right. they're going to provide long-lasting softness if they do that. Now, that is a good thing when it comes to your clothes, which you know you wash rather infrequently. You want that softness to last for a while, but in the case of hair. Uh, you know a repeated frequent use of fabric softener could result in just terrible buildup of these materials on your hair right. so
1: yeah I would think so So
2: that could be problematic a second reason you really want what's best for your hair um, I think that's you know really what this comes down to now the ingredients uh, are designed to stick to fabric in these softeners and they can stick to hair after rinsing so that I mean theoretically they could work but that's kind of where the similarity ends you know a good conditioner will contain, for example, some kind of agent to enhance shine, you know, maybe a silicone. Right. Uh, You know, you're not going to find the same types of silicones and fabric softeners as you are. Uh, You may find some, but you're not going to find the ones that are really substantive to hair. Um, You know, shine isn't typically a desirable uh, (laughs) quantity in clothing, so it's just, the formula is just meant to do different things. so the types of the the quats, the quaternary ammonium compounds used in hair conditioners, those are fine-tuned to deliver the best aesthetic experience possible. Uh, the types that are used in fabric softening, you know, they might leave your hair feeling heavier or limp or even with a notable waxy coating. You know, people complain about Pantene leaving wax buildup on your hair. You know, try right. using a fabric softener. You know, hey, right, exactly. And then also... You know, those things are pretty heavily fragrance. you know, you, I mean, if, I guess if you don't mind, you know, the scent of downy or snuggles on your hair, maybe that's okay. But I, <laughs> I would think it's, again, the fragrance isn't optimized. So I don't think the, the, the experience is going to be the best for the hair. And then thirdly, and this is, I guess, the most scientific grounded piece of it, is just skin safety. Um, you know, cosmetics, despite what people might tell you, <laughs> they're formulated and tested to be sure they're safe for prolonged contact with skin. Um, right. And you know there are multiple regulations that control what may or may not be used in cosmetics. Guess what? The laws that govern fabric softeners are much different than the ones that control cosmetics. Now, that's not to say fabric softeners are necessarily dangerous, but they're not intended uh, for direct prolonged contact with skin. So let's take a quick look at the ingredients in Downey. That's probably the most popular fabric softener brand.
1: Yeah, um, at least in the US. Yeah. Uh,
2: the main ingredient which provides the fabric softening is diethyl ester dimethyl ammonium chloride, or DDMAC, as we call it for short. I actually found some studies that show that is not a sensitizer on skin, so that's good news. Yeah, uh, that's But good. the formula also contains formic acid, and that is a skin sensitizer and can produce allergic reactions. That is not used in cosmetics. Right. The preservative in Downey is benzisothiazolinone, which is a cousin of...
1: Wait, l- let me try it. <laughs> benzisothiazolinone. I-, I can't do it either. <laughs> and I became a chemist just because I like to say long words. <laughs>
2: uh, that's a cousin of methyl and that is known to cause allergic reactions in people. In fact, one research paper on this preservative says that the population is allergic to this somewhere between 2 and 23%. And this 20,
1: one out of every four right, people to, wow. to the
2: to, to the Ben's uh, uh, version of the preservative that's used yeah. in the fabric software that that ingredients not used in cosmetics either. Right. Uh, and then the colorant is called a liquid tint dye. It's actually a color molecule attached to a couple of polymers. Uh, it's not approved for use in cosmetics either, but it's needed here to prevent the white towels from being stained or it or any fabric from being stained for that matter. So a typical you know, water-soluble blue dye would tend to stain your clothes. So they developed this specific version of the dye for use in fabric softeners, but it was not uh, you know, approved for use in cosmetics.
1: Ah, um, interesting. And then
2: finally, a quick word about the pH. The pH of Downy is about four, which is typical for a cationic conditioning product like this. You know, It has to be slightly acidic because then the, um, the conditioner has a positive charge, which means it'll stick to the damaged areas of either hair or fabric that have a negative charge. So that's a good thing. So anyway, yeah. the bottom line is, you know, why would you risk, you know, messing up your hair and damaging your skin with a product that's not designed and tested for personal care use? It's just, yeah. it's just not and, a good idea.
1: And it's not even really less expensive. Right.
2: right? I, I don't think it's a cost issue.
1: Okay. So. Interesting. So interesting idea, but not one we recommend. Well, before we get on to the next question, why don't we go through and read a couple of those iTunes? We love the iTunes reviews uh, that you, people send in, and we're, we're over 100 already, and mm. we just keep keep getting more. And, w- you know, we love them, keep them coming. We, we actually do take the feedback in uh, some of these iTunes reviews, and we change the show accordingly <laughs> sometimes. So we do take it to heart, right?
2: Uh, I think you'll get a chance to prove that here in a second, but uh, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and read the first one?
1: Well, T. Loves Pods says, I listen to this when I do my morning, morning, morning routine. I have explanation, witty banter, and concise information. So, <laughs> thanks for that.
2: Uh, here's one from Anonymous59724 who says, This is helpful information presented in an engaging way. Definitely accessible for those of us without any more than a high school chemistry degree. Or nice. high school chemistry knowledge, I guess. My only complaint is that the show is a little slow-paced... And occasionally the hosts, Perry, (coughs) talk about beauty news articles that aren't really interesting at all. So there you go, mister. I want some feedback. Pick up the pace and become more interesting.
1: Ah, well, thanks for that. We appreciate all commentary and reviews, uh, so just keep them coming. Although we appreciate the good ones a bit more. (laughs) (laughs) All right, just to pick up the pace, why don't I go with the next question? All right. This question, Peter asks: All sh- all regular shaving creams and gels I have tested have pH values between 8.5 and 10, and use surfactants like SLES or D M E A. These products leave my skin itchy, red, and dry. I'm curious how he tests the pH of those, right?
2: Hey, yeah, so, you gotta buy some pH. The sticks. litmus paper. Right? Litmus yeah, paper, yeah. yeah.
1: Anyway, a dermatologist recommends substituting face wash with a regular emollient cream and to also shave with it. I tried it with a couple of basic cleansing milks and moisturizers and my skin is less dry but it doesn't really give the same barrier slip most of the times. So I wonder is it wise to substitute your shaving cream with an emollient moisturizer and what ingredients have a slippery feeling and give a barrier on skin so that the blade glides easily over your skin. Hmm. All right, it's nice to get a question from, uh, from a guy every so From hour. our
2: male listeners, for sure.
1: Well, Most shaving creams are true soaps, which means they're formulated with saponified fatty acids, usually steric acid, hmm. and then some kind of alkaline ingredient like triethanolamine, and that gives you the high pH. Right. The benefit of this type of formula is that it does a good job of wetting the hair and provides a lot of lubricious slip. The disadvantage is that it can be irritating to some people, as you have yeah. discovered so as he pointed out also shaving with an emollient cream is a great idea if you have sensitive skin but depending on the formula it might not provide the same level of slip unfortunately it's not as easy as just telling you what ingredient has slip and what doesn't because it really Mm -hmm. depends on how those ingredients are formulated i mean for example Lots of silicones provide a lot of slip and, and they're great. And if they're formulated right, but if you put them in a cream oh. with the acetyl or sterile alcohol, then the finished product can feel draggy. So the answer to that is you know, it's it's kind of complicated when it comes to formulating.
2: Yeah, this is one of those cases where just looking at the ingredient label isn't there's really no way to say how much slip the formula has because it depends on the, the relative ratio of pretty much everything that's in there.
1: Exactly. So that means uh, it's. It's kind of a trial and error you to find an emollient cream that gives you the right level of slip for your own personal taste. Although having said that, there is one off-the-wall suggestion that you might try. Um, You ever hear of those anti-chafing bikini (laughs) gel products like Monistat?
2: Yeah, we have written about those Uh, before. People use them as makeup primers.
1: Exactly. Well, this thing is almost pure silicone and you might like the way it feels. I mean, it certainly won't wet the beard hair, so maybe it'll be harder to cut off. I don't know, but that's certainly something you could try.
2: Hmm. So you're assuming he's talking about shaving his beard. Maybe he, you know, he's talking about his chest, his legs. Who knows what he's shaving? It's a yeah, little arm, presumptuous.
1: Armpits. Me. Yeah. <laughs> and hair uh, on his luck. back. <laughs> good luck, Peter.
2: If you do find something that you like, yeah, let us know yeah, on this yeah. post. Yeah, we'll share it with our our other Hirsute uh, listeners. All right, Perry, we got time for one more question. This one comes to us from Marta, and she wants to know, how do ionic hair dryers work? I read one website that says they cause water molecules to divide into smaller particles that divide faster. But another website says the ions themselves offer some benefit to your hair. Could you explain it? And my answer to you, Marta, is, I can't explain it because it's not true. I mean, (laughs) we've heard this claim for years. I haven't seen a scrap of evidence showing that blowing ionized hot air on your hair provides any benefit at all. Right,
1: exactly. Now,
2: don't, don't get me wrong, ions do have their place in hair conditioner. Uh, specifically, that's how certain types of conditioner can stay on your hair after rinsing. And we, I mean, we talked a little bit about this a minute ago about uh, fabric softeners, right? Right, right. Um, so one end of the molecule has a positive charge and that end sticks to the negatively charged spots on your hair where the most damage is, right? So when when proteins on your hair become damaged over time through physical abrasion or chemical processing or UV exposure or whatever, as these proteins break down, the residues that are left behind tend to be negatively charged. So if you can uh, use a molecule that has a positive charge, you can anchor that molecule to your hair. So that's, that's the one end. That's the anchor end. But the other end of the molecule is a long chain of carbon atoms, or sometimes silicone atoms. Right. Uh, and this, this fatty part uh, is what lubricates the hair, sort of like a thin coating of oil. So the ion is important because it, it allows this um, fatty chain of carbon atoms to stay behind on your hair after rinsing. But the ion itself really isn't contributing to the conditioning process. Yeah, exactly. So... You know, if you're um, using one of those uh, ionic hair dryers, I I assume they're just ionizing water ions. I don't know what else they would be, right? What else would they be ionizing? Uh, So, you know, those are certainly not going to have the same properties as a, you know, fatty conditioning quad, which is the the type of chemistry I just described. So, if anybody out there, by the way, does, you know, has seen proof that these things work in any shape or form, I'd love to see a paper on this because I just don't believe they work.
1: Yeah. No no marketing, but actual peer-reviewed science. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was actually... it felt good to see that in that interview about the Dyson hair dryer that they did not mention ionic hair drying. So, oh. <laughs> so, so that was good. All right, I guess that brings us to the end of our show. Um, I do actually uh, have just finished a book, um, just listening to a book. It's called uh, The Stuff of Thought, Steven Pinker's book. And hmm. I mention it because I did this thing. Um, I, I had the book. I got the book for Christmas, and I started reading it, and it was just taken me a long time, and I'd start to fall asleep after a page, but then I was on Audible, and I saw that the book was on Audible, mm-hmm. so I just got the book on Audible.com, the the audio version of it, and so I listened to the book, and I was able to listen to the book, and I was it was thrilling, and I, and it was great, and I didn't fall asleep one time.
2: Wow, you know, you really should write quotes for the jacket, uh, you know, the jacket notes on the book, right? So fascinating, I didn't fall asleep one time.
1: Well, I mean, this is a very heady book about the origin of language and the way that your brain is designed to adequately uh, communicate different ideas. It's Mm -hmm. like they go through stuff like even there's a whole chapter on swear words about why some bodily functions are considered vulgar while the same bodily function said a different way is is not for example making love and <laughs> are the same thing <laughs> oh, <God>. right <laughs> sorry okay uh or going to the bathroom and you know the, why is one vulgar and the other one's not so sure. anyway it's the the book is fascinating and you can get it at audible.com and you can actually help out the beauty brains if you go to audibletrial.com slash beautybrains, and you can sign up, and you get your free first book for free. It can be Steven Pinker's The Stuff of Thought, or our own book, uh, The Beauty Isle Insider. So, And it helps out the uh, the beauty brains here.
2: And if you're having trouble sleeping, you get the hardback <laughs> version, and it'll knock exactly. you right out. All right. Hey, Perry, before we sign off, I do want to do one other shout-out. Uh, And that's for our Beauty Brains intern, who's been helping us do some research on a a future project that we're working on. How
1: come the intern never comes to this side of the Beauty Brains offices?
2: Uh, That's what the uh, lawyers told me to (laughs) to avoid. So I don't know. Not my idea. But uh, so Paige, Paige DeGarmo, is our intern on this project. And I wanted to give her a shout out, first of all, to thank her for all her hard work. But secondly, to let our listening audience know about her website, Paige is a chemist, And she runs the blog CosmeticComposition.com. I'll put a, a link in the show notes. And she does something that I don't think we necessarily do enough of, which is she will go through and do blog posts about specific ingredients, which I think is nice. And then she does some specific product types as well. So... Uh, I I put together a couple of links from a few of my favorite posts that she's done. So I'll just share those in the show notes and and hopefully we can drive some traffic to her website because she is uh, one of the, you know, small handful of people out there along with us trying to approach beauty science uh, or beauty products through science rather than just the experiential piece. So I think people would really enjoy and and benefit from reading some of her stuff. So thank you, Paige.
1: Yeah, thank you. And thank you for listening. And in next time we'll have another fully packed show, right? And then uh, I guess uh, I see Randy is chomping at the bit to get the sign-off lines. So well, ne-
2: no, next time we have to be more fast-paced and interesting according to the feedback we received this week, which we will try and do. So thank you, guys. Until next week, remember, be brainy about your beauty.
1: Hey, Mom, what a towel. You got it so fluffy. Well. Wow. But let's give credit where it's due, Downey.
2: Downey Fabric Softener, new from Procter and Gamble.